Today we're beginning a sermon series, His Story. And uh, you see it on the sign, and the sign is actually going to change within the week because we're actually leading up to something really big. We're leading up to a homecoming. And I want to start to, us to start thinking about who we want to invite to come to this homecoming October 22nd. October 22nd. We want people who have been here and are no longer coming to the church. We want new people to come in. This is where we dedicate ourselves and we dedicate this space to God's service. This is God's church. And I want us to look at the future, at, at the past, at his story, the history of this church, starting from the church in Acts, running all the way through the history of this church in specific. And, by the way, just a little bonus, just before we go into the homecoming, I want us to, to based on what we've seen God in the past, I want us to engage in conversation about how we think God is going to lead us in the future because this church isn't going anywhere. Because it's God's church. And so I wrote this with that understanding. I want us to look and see how God has led us in the past. I want us to see the good. I want us to see the bad. I want us to see everything that has happened in the history of this church so that we can take everything in context and we can look at everything under this big umbrella and say, wow, we're still here. My sermon today, it will be from the book of Acts. We're going to look at some things in the book of Acts, but this story starts before the Acts story. It's, it's found in Matthew 16, 13 through 20. I'll read it for you in just a minute, but let me give you a little context. Jesus has a question for his disciples. Jesus is asking his disciples, who do people say I am? And you know me, I have to ask the question, why did he have to ask that question? And there are different ways of looking at it, and I think that maybe there's equal parts <coughs> truth to this. I, I think maybe <coughs> one part could be that this was the humanity of Jesus. He needed that affirmation. He needed to hear it. And I think also, maybe, that it was a learning experience, a teaching moment for Jesus to share with his disciples so that they engaged and they had to ask the question and come up with an answer. Whatever the case may be, it may be equal parts of both. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. <clears throat> I'm just having to use my theological imagination. But Jesus asked the question, who do people say I am? And the answer is from the disciples. Well, some people say you're this, some people say you're that. You know, Elijah, come back. You know, John the Baptist, back from the dead. You know. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Who do you say I am? You have followed me for three years. Who do you say I am? And Peter, in the back, oh, 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 oh. And Jesus says, yes, you in the back. Peter says, you're the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Let's read it together. 
Matthew 16, 13. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say he's Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, interpreted rock, not just rock, big rock. You are, you are rock. You are, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whoever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth, loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he is the Messiah. Now, I want to be very clear as we explore this text. Jesus was not saying that he's building his church on Peter. That would be a heresy. Because the church is built on Jesus Christ. You understand that? Can I hear an amen? Okay. So, what Peter said was what got Jesus excited. That's what got Jesus excited. When, Jesus, when, when Peter said, you are, you are the Messiah, you're the Savior of humanity, that rock, that understanding that Jesus would build his, that, that rock is the understanding that Jesus was going to build his church on that understanding. That was clear as mud. The rock represented the understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, the, the foundation of God's church. And that is what Jesus promised he would build his church on, on that principle of Jesus being the Messiah, a.k.a. the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And a rock is, by its nature, not designed to move. A rock by its nature is not designed to move. So now we fast forward to the book of Acts. Acts is an interesting book. It's part two of the, uh, of, of the book of Luke. Dr. Luke wrote both books. And we end the chapter, we end the book of Luke with Jesus ascending into heaven. And we begin the, the book of Acts with after the, he's writing to Theophilus. And he's, he starts, you know, with all the, the greetings and all that. And he, right after that, he goes right into where he left off in Luke, where Jesus is ascending into heaven. That's important to him. It's a recurring theme. And what, what did I say when you see recurring themes in the scriptures? It's important. According to Luke, he wanted to make sure that people understood Jesus was dead, he was resurrected, and he ascended into heaven. And so Dr. Luke is writing a letter to, to Theophilus. 
And as Jesus is ascending into heaven, Jesus is saying to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Basically, Jesus gave his disciples a job. He gave them a job to run the church with a specific message of sending the gospel to the corners of the earth, to the far ends of the earth, starting at home and spreading out to the ends of the earth. They weren't expected to do it alone. Jesus also promised a comforter, a helper, the Holy Spirit. And so Acts, 6, Acts, Acts 2, we see the apostles, they're all together. They're in, a, they're in a house or a room or wherever. They're all together. They're together physically. They're together in heart and soul and with one purpose of spreading this good news to Jesus Christ and they're praying. And I like to imagine that they're praying, God, what does this look like? How do we get, how does 12 of us, how do we get this message from the 12 of us to the ends of the earth? That seems like an overwhelming task. Suddenly, the earth shakes. There's a wind, and tongues of fire come in through the windows and from out of nowhere and land on the head of every disciple. Tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. Each person heard, their, heard the gospel in their own language. Oh, yeah, there was an accusation. Oh, these men are drunk. <laughs> and Peter, who apparently had not heard of Jimmy Buffett, uh, and the phrase is five o'clock somewhere, said, no, 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 it's only nine o'clock. We're not drunk. The Bible tells us that everywhere Jesus' followers went, lives were transformed. They were changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our reading today says that day by day, the Lord added to their numbers. What would happen to this church if day by day, God added to the numbers? That'd be exciting. And that's what was happening. Day by day, God added to the numbers and God's church began to grow. People were confessing their sins and they were asking God for forgiveness and God was healing them from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit and people were joining the church A rock, by its nature, is not designed to be moved. Along the way, there were many adventures. Philip had a dream. He was told that there was this person that needed to hear the gospel, and it was a Gentile. And so... Philip, being obedient, got out of bed, got some clothes on, and went to where the dream told him to go. And there was this Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot 
going, as, I don't know how, I guess chariots go pretty fast, but somehow, some way, he managed to get in that chariot with this eunuch. And this eunuch was here and reading, which is kind of a dangerous thing. You're reading and driving a chariot. I don't know how that worked out. Anyway, all, the, all that we need to know is this. He was reading, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I understand it unless somebody shows me? He says, oh, I can show you what it means. And Philip shared the gospel with the eunuch. And as they go along, they come across a, a body of water, some, some water. It could have been a puddle, for all I know. All I do know is the eunuch halted the chariot, and he looks over at Philip, and Philip looks over at the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, what's keeping me from being baptized? And Philip says, what indeed? And, and this Ethiopian eunuch, as far as I can see in the chronology, if we look at the chronology of how the Bible's written out, this Ethiopian eunuch, this Gentile, was the first person to be baptized wasn't even a Jew. He was the first person to be baptized because of the gospel. Then there's Paul and Silas. We won't go into much detail on that. You know, they were falsely accused. They were put in jail. They were, and this was not just like jail, jail. This was like rats running around, mildew-smelling, uh, filthy kind of thing, dark, dank. And they were with people who really needed to be there. And what were they doing? They were singing praises. The earth shook. <laughs> the jail is in shambles. The innkeeper, who was supposed to be keeping track of them, taking care of them, making sure that they didn't escape, he was, had a sword to his heart, ready to run it through himself, ready to kill himself. And, and Paul says, no, 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 stop. Don't do that. We're all safe. Nobody's going anywhere. And before the end of the night... A jailer and his entire family were shared the gospel and they were baptized. And they joined this Jesus movement. Then there was a story in Acts 20 about a young man who was sitting in a window, third story window in a house. And Peter was going to town, he was preaching. And he was fired up. And about midnight, he preached all day, all evening. And about midnight, this young man fell asleep in the third story window. It's in the Bible. You can't make this stuff up. It's right here. Acts, uh, what did I say, 20? Yeah, Acts 20. He fell asleep in the window, falls out of the window, three stories. Of course, a sermon stops. Everybody runs outside. And Peter's looking, lands on top of this guy to make sure the kid was alive. And he was. And once Peter announced, uh, it was Paul, it was Paul, not Peter. Once Paul realized that the boy was alive, he announced to everybody, he's alive, and continued to preach until the break of dawn. I find that a funny story. And yet people were sitting there and they were listening. And lives were being transformed. People's lives were being changed. Was everything perfect? Are humans perfect? 
I think you know the answer. No. Why God left us in charge of the church, I'll never know. But there's grace and there's love and God, I believe, has factored in our mistakes and our sins and our misdeeds and our missteps. Because a rock, by its nature, is not designed to move. No, things weren't perfect. God chooses to use humans to further the gospel message. And humans aren't perfect. There's a story about Paul and Barnabas. And they're having a disagreement over a young evangelist by the name of John Mark. Now apparently John Mark joined them once before. And he got homesick. And he left them holding the bag. And Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark back into the evangelistic team. And Paul's like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. Strike one, you're out. Sorry. And Barnabas is like, no, he needs to be brought in. We can, we can train him. We can teach him. We can. And Paul said, no, absolutely not. And guess what? Right then and there, this evangelistic team split. That's a terrible thing. I would hate for this church or this denomination to have a split. That's the last thing I want. But, but yet, there was a split right here between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark whether they're going to bring him in on the evangelistic team, it's something simple. And yet, God used that to spread the gospel further. Now there are two evangelistic teams, not just one. A rock, by its nature, is not designed to be moved. We look at the letters written to the seven churches by Paul and Paul's followers. And every one of these churches, every one of the seven churches had a problem. Laodicea. God wants you to be cold or hot. But here you are, you're lukewarm. God is going to vomit you out of his mouth. You're so repulsive to God. Those are some strong words from a pulpit. It's something they needed to hear. And by the way, the, the, the epistles, they're, they're kind of interesting in and of themselves because we don't really know what's going on in the churches. We don't have that side of the... There's letters going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? And so... We don't know what's going on, but we do read Paul's and, and Paul's followers' responses to these letters. And, and so it's like listening to one side of a conversation. And so here we are. We don't know the context, but we do hear these things that Paul is saying. And we're like, wow. <laughs> and so that's what, we don't know what led to that. But we do know that Paul said, you got to get with the program. God finds what you're doing repulsive. You're not, you're, you're, you're lukewarm. You're not on fire and you're not cold. You're just lukewarm and God finds that problematic. Needless to say, Jesus' church got started on a very high note. The descending of the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit's here. Your session is prayed for this Holy Spirit. 
and I still feel an energy here. I don't want anything to change that. Let's keep praying for this church. Keep praying for this church. Keep praying for this denomination. Keep praying that the Holy Spirit, that we acknowledge and sense the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples like tongues of fire, and the Holy Spirit descends on us today. In spite of our sinful and imperfect nature, the Holy Spirit still descends upon us today. God's church will continue on because a rock, by nature, is not designed to be moved. Let us pray. Loving God, We come to you in humility. We come to you as your people. We come to you many years after you founded your church. And yes, church looks different today than it did then. And I bet church in 20 to 30 years is going to look different then than it does now. But we know that as long as you are the foundation, your church will continue. May we be faithful. May we be faithful. As a priesthood of believers, God, we pray that we are faithful as we administer our ministerial duties, wherever they are at, whatever they are, may we be faithful. May we keep our eyes laser-focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that we don't lose hope. God, I, I just... As I always do, I want to create holy space right now for those here in this congregation that need to feel your touch, that need to know your love, that need to know that you're still in charge. I want to create this holy space so people can bring their petitions before your throne. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.